I don't know what it was. He's walking upright like a man. Sightings in and around Vermont. Bigfoot sightings across New England have been reported. Red glowing eyes, about seven feet tall. Red eyes, big old fangs, claws coming out through. Three inches long, you know, just sharp as they could be. There has been another UFO sighting flying over the Royal Botanic Gardens. There are 500 UFO sightings in the world every month. The truth is out there. We're back. Okay. Slightly delayed. So I just realized something. Yeah. Um. Yes, we're back. But uh, does does your little clapper say coming soon? C U M M I N G. Oh yeah. So we have our um, okay. a mutual friend from um, high okay. school, and All right. um, she'd come over for um, we're hanging out. I had this. I forget what it was. Was she taking? She might have been taking some pictures. Um. Oh no, we did this. This was. Yeah, it's 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 uh, we a mutual friend of ours. Uh, we, we were hanging out in. in uh, they had written that on it, and gotcha. uh, yeah, it, it was just fun. No, it's I I approve of it. It's just I I I only just noticed it. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. It was a uh, it was a a still a, a funny. Um, Coming soon to Sam Bruno with a U. Everything off the desk and oh, where it says roll. So I, when we sync our audio, I have like a movie clapper because it causes yeah, a spike. I just I just clap my hands like and, a plebeian. And there's a here where it says roll. It says everything off the desk and do me hard. Um, <laughs> undertake it just says me now. The bottom half broke off because I stepped on it by accident. Director was Mike Wazowski, though. Yep, director um, is Mike Wazowski. So okay, so we're we're a little late this time. We are. I had a stomach. A lot happened. Like my daughter just had her second birthday party. I watched a lot of kids nearly eat shit on the swing set that I just built. Very good swing set. Big old slide, four swings, monkey bars. It was mm-hmm. great. Um, they had fun, and then I didn't realize till after her preschool did the um. Their little Halloween parade that her costume was maybe a little bit different from other kids. Um, um okay. Because uh, she was Pennywise. And, oh God, Brandon! <laughs> but we got this cute little like we did her hair up and put like blush on her cheeks and, which, and little red nose. Which version of Pennywise? Um, whatever one we could get her. She's two. I mean, whatever one but, she would but- tolerate. But was it the was it the the uh, original Pennywise with what's his name um, Stephen Curry versus yeah. um, I forget the other kid, um, just like scary Pennywise because I took a picture as a and her I noticed how her hair looked and I put it next to Pennywise as a joke and hung it in my office and and uh, she liked gotcha. it and um, so we no got this cute yard. like female toddler Pennywise clown dress costume I had the three but as a clown. She wouldn't wear it, so what I did is I cut the balls off, hot glued them to a white t-shirt, and then uh-huh. I took that in the basement and hung it on a board, and I got a bunch of fake blood, and I, like, dripped it, and I even, like, put it on a toothbrush and flicked the bristles to spray fake blood, and I, I did a lot of stuff, and then it wasn't until after I saw the pictures where, like, every child is, like, Woody or, like, some <laughs> shit from Paw Patrol, and our daughter's the only one covered in blood. I was like, oh! Her costume might be different. <laughs> oh, Brandon. I mean, 
given given the fact that your family ran a haunted like a a suit like a kind of haunt we sold it we sold all the all that stuff to a haunted house um did yeah yeah oh i didn't tell you yeah so we had this big so we used to only get one or two trick-or-treaters a year maybe and then as time went on my dad and then um i started putting props on the front yard mostly my dad but i I helped Mm. we had like a guillotine with a dude in it and it was fully automated we had controller boards and everything where it'd go all the way up and then drop and the blade would drop and we had like um we'd got we had a pendulum that would swing and cut a guy in half and and there was you know tubing in it and we'd hit it'd spray fake blood and coffins would open and close on themselves and some a, a bunch of pneumatic and hydraulic stuff. It, it filled the front yard, and we went from like one or two to over two hundred. Um, it was a lot. It was a lot. Yeah, yeah. It, it became a thing, and eventually it turned into a lot to maintain. We had a whole like area just like we we had a decent sized yard, so we had built a uh-huh. a, a separate building just to hold everything. And it turned into a lot to maintain because it would break, and you'd have to fix it on top of building more new stuff. So yeah. eventually we're like, me and my sister are getting older. We're going to move out eventually. Um, so we just found a guy that came over with trailers and took all this stuff away for, I forget how much we sold it for, but it, it was, huh. a, it was a fun setup. That, that, well, that we I, I knew you sold it. I just didn't know you sold it to like a haunted house. Yeah. It was, is if I remember correctly, is is just some guy also had haunted thing going on and, and just bought all this stuff and knowing my dad he had the the controllers and all the programming stuff filled out properly it was was fun it was a lot of fun stuff um oh we had a guy in in an electric chair and we'd have his body like convulse and stuff um i helped one year yeah that's what we'd have like i have friends come over and they'd hide in like a crate and where there'd be buttons and you press the button the Mm -hmm. top and the front would fly open he could do stuff and yeah the time that I helped, uh, I went to go pick up one of our mutual friends, and I had the wrong place in my head, so it took me a little longer to find Wait, them. which... What's the first letter of their name? S. Ah, okay, gotcha. Yeah. Was, uh, I think it was at the Egg's Nest or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah, right, I, right I, there. I, I fucked up on that one, but regardless... Um, this is a pretty long one this week, actually. Oh, Brandon. so we'll get going. I'll just say, like, yeah. the reason we're delayed is because I got a stomach virus and my yeah, voice yeah, is yeah. just coming back. So that that's why we're delayed, and I, I didn't want to like skip a week or whatever. So I mean, <clears throat> I apologize, I also, but you know, well, also because uh, we're going to be taking a kind of hiatus during the month of December. A kind of hiatus. I'll, I'm I might try to figure something out to fill the time. But yeah. that would still be contingent on that we can t- take this off here. Contingent on you being able to like do certain things from your certain places, places because there are things that I don't I understand. I can't. Uh, okay, as long as I provide I the right, right, right files. If we're gonna get it, if we're gonna do it, it's gonna have to be the week of the sec- of the sixteenth. Okay, copy. So <laughs> that's all. Um, anywho, uh. Before we begin, this is uh, Critopedia. Uh, I'm John. I'm Brandon, and I'm excited for this one. I didn't know what we were doing. I just opened it right before we started recording yeah. the, the actual copy. And I saw yeah. it's titled just The Anger You've Been Waiting For, and it's a picture of Arthur's Fist. No, that's that's the old one. You, you've you opened the old one. That's that's I've opened uh, the old Okile one. Membe. 
that's a spoiler, by the way, because I, I had to look at some ah. old Nikila Membe stuff for the sake of this episode. Um, the great pre- ah, this one. This is something we've alluded to. Um, this actually isn't it. Oh, this, this isn't, isn't the thing we alluded to. This, this is a separate thing. It's a new, different thing. It's a separate thing. You're I'm talking also about the Bone Wars, for, yeah, right? Yeah, the Bone Wars, yeah. Yeah, so I recently bought a book on the Bone Wars. Oh. Um, because I was trying to find a... So I had to buy a physical book for it because there's yeah. no digital copy of this book. It's called The Gilded uh-huh. Dinosaur. Um, and it's about... It's about how capitalism fucked with science. Oh, fantastic. Also, just so um, people know what we mean by the Bone Wars... Um, there's a brief period in time where the competing archaeologists trying to find and identify new dinosaur species, and that period of time was called the colloquially like the Bone Wars because they're it, it was it was two people, yeah. and I would I don't know if I would call them archaeologists or even paleontologists. I think they one were just two was, people. and then one I think one was approaching being like a legit paleontologist, and the other one was just a guy. That had a lot of free time. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I'm going to be reading that book and probably doing an episode on the Bone Wars at some point um, because it seems like it's it's reasonable because it's kind of about the like creation of uh, uh, it's kind of about the creation of like uh, science and the scientific method and like finding hidden creatures to a certain yeah. extent, but. We'll, we'll we'll cover that later. That's not that's not the point of this week's episode. Um, rather, this week's episode was from the last time when we talked about young Earth creationist stuff, right? Yes. Um, so we had dinosaurs in that story, but I didn't feel like we had enough dinosaurs uh-huh. personally because dinos are cool. Um, yeah, they're cool. Uh, they're almost a hundred percent part of the reason why this podcast even exists. Um, it dinosaurs are great. Uh, dinosaurs are so great that when I was a child, I went to, uh, uh, Islands of Adventure, which Uh is a universal park in Florida, and they had a a Jurassic Park exhibit, right? Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. And in the Jurassic Park exhibit, there's a scene, there's like a show where the, the, there's like velociraptors that hatch out of eggs. Yeah. And I was the child chosen for the show right um oh so so i was like a magnet for people picking me during that trip like people picked me for like all the shows with show interaction i was fucking gaston in a in a story time with bell thing a whole bunch of stuff right like i have a very uh embarrassable face um (laughs) so during the show, um, one of the kids gets chosen, and they the the Velociraptors named after them, right? Yeah. So me being me, uh, and the gullible child that I am, I thought that that was real, and oh. I asked my parents to bring me back so I could say goodbye to the Velociraptor. <laughs> And they, because we had like a park hopper pass, yeah, that we went back or or something along those lines. And um, they told me they told me that they don't show the Velociraptor the the, the, the carnivores like they put them away. Basically. Oh, gotcha. I don't I don't know how long I believe that was real for, but yeah, that's not that's that's the story for that. Um, 
Rather, I, I do want to talk about dinosaurs, though, because I, uh, I clearly like dinosaurs, and I'm very easily uh, swayed by the inclusion of dinosaurs, right? Uh-huh. Um, so, uh, you know, I want dinosaurs to be the whole point. So we're taking a trip back to the Congo this week. Um, okay. And we're going to talk about uh, something that was contemporary with the history of Bukwila Bembe. Uh-huh. Um, and there's, there's one source that kind of, like was super helpful for some of the contextualization of this episode and uh, tracking down some of the articles. Uh, <sighs> Sorry, it's five o'clock. It's six o'clock right now. And it's I'm six hours later than normally. our normal recording time. I'm usually tired and I'm just tired now. Um, but the, one of the main sources this week uh, was a Medium article by Paul Brown, uh, The Dog and the dinosaur, which is a pretty excellent story, and I recommend that you read it um, because it has a lot of interesting context that I'm really not going to cover because it's about the life story of a, a of a character in this like overall thing. Oh. Like I wouldn't even I wouldn't even say he's like a main character so much as like well no he is a main character but like he's not the the focus the focus is the he it's one of those weird cases. Where the person's not the interesting thing. Well, actually, yeah. mm, he's kind of interesting. Well, let's get into it. All right. So, our story, as with most stories about the Congo in the 1900s, begins in Europe. Uh, the November 17th, 1919 edition of the London Times. And this is the article in full because it's short and it's really worth talking about. Uh-huh. So, the name of the article was A Tale from Af- Africa. Um Semper a liquid novi, always something new. It, it, okay. Apparently, they just had they just had like Latin underneath article titles sometimes. Um, That's fun. The Central News Port Elizabeth correspondent sends the following: The head of a local muse- of the local museum here has re- received information from a Mister LePage, who is in charge of railway construction in the Belgian Congo, of an exciting adventure last month. When LePage was hunting one day in October, he came upon an extraordinary monster which charged at him. LePage fired, uh, by, but was forced to flee with the monster in chase. The animals, he says, was the animal he says was about twenty-four feet in length, with a long pointed snout, adorned with hus- with tusk-like horns and a short horn above the nostrils. Um, the front feet were like those of a horse, and the hind hooves were cloven. There was a scaly hump on the monster's shoulders. The animal later charged through the native village of Fungurume, destroying the huts and killing some of the native dwellers. A hunt was at at once organized, but the government has forbidden forbidden the molestation of the animal on the grounds that it probably is a relic of antiquity. There is a wild trackless region in the neighborhood, which contains many swamps and marshes, where, says the head of the museum, it is possible that a few primeval monsters may survive. So first... Um, Good job saying Fungarumi. That they, 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 they rolled off the tongue smooth. And second, good on the town from keeping people giving handies to this beast. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I mean, there's a lot to have back in that. Yeah. Right? In addition to the, 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 the handies, right? Uh-huh. Um, because it is an article from the 19-teens where things get weird. Uh, and, like, cap- and imperialism is falling to pieces everywhere around the world or whatever actually no at this point uh england 
and the rest are being like really good imperial like really into imperialism it's uh spain that's has imperialism failing for them that that's right um so the first thing that may come to mind is that really doesn't sound like a brontosaurus um, no which i forgot to mention uh well actually you probably already have seen this the name of this episode is the great brontosaurus hoax right uh-huh. or like that's what we're talking about um and it it kind of sounds a little bit like a triceratops right yeah um certainly the head description and size align with classical imp- uh interpretations of the triceratops uh but the ha for me is the description of the feet right um that's i was some thinking some when you were describing the feet if i was being charged by an animal that wouldn't necessarily be something my attention was was attracted to or I don't think I would have had the ability to notice the difference in the, the fore and hind quarters. Yeah. So, well, there's that. But also, um, I'd never heard of animals with different configuration of hooves no. before. No. Um, is that a thing? I don't think feet. that's a thing. Is that a thing? It kind of is. It is. Uh, oh, wow. So, Malayan tapirs, which are non-extinct ungulates with an association by name to the Japanese yokai, the bahu. Uh-huh. Um, have a set of four hooves on their front feet and three hooves on their their uh, their rear feet. So, um, basically, like when it's an ungulate, the the hoof is like the toe. Yeah. Right. So they effectively have three toes, four toes, and three toes. Right. Okay. And a horse has just like one really pointy toe. But right? are there any instances of? I couldn't find I couldn't find horse hoof to deer hoof. Yeah, like a cloven hoof versus just hoof hoof I, I i couldn't find that but hypothetically like it doesn't seem as though it's impossible right uh-huh like it's not it's not a like totally out of like out of pocket thing to say like paper feet are exist. weird these are Taper weird feet pictures are really weird they are extremely just weird. look like wet leather a little bit a little bit um but you want to know it's actually even more surprising what's that um Triceratops are in fact believed to have four hooves in the front. Oh, okay. Uh, like 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 the four like yeah. cloven like cloves and they have three in the back as well as of a 2016 live science article that I found. Oh, fun. Um now this raises some serious questions if you don't understand uh evolutionary science in the slightest. Uh mainly could tapirs be evolved triceratops? And the answer is no. <laughs> I was real. If you had said yes, I would have had a lot of questions. <laughs> I mean, that's that's part of the reason why you can't just use morphology uh, to identify because, like, a carcination's a thing, right? Yeah. Which is all things lead to crabs. All things lead to crabs. Mm-hmm. Um. So I couldn't find any examples of 1900s imagery depicting Triceratops with a clear configuration of hooves described in the article, right? Uh-huh. Um, but I did find two examples that sh- uh, show each separately. Uh, conspicuously, both were published in 1900, which was kind of wild. Oh, okay. Um, the first is a drawing by Lawson Wood for Pearson's Magazine, and this is on the next page for you, Brandon. Um that depicts what I can only describe as a happy lizard frolicking in a field. That is absolutely um, the best description. Like it looks like a happy cow, but just a li- just yeah, he's frolicking. 
Yeah, he's he's full on frolicking that little lizard. He's he's so happy to be alive, or I guess you know whatever. Um, I much prefer these depictions of Triceratops to um, a more modern. They just look fucking happy and like. You well, give this them a one hug. looks happy. The second one, uh, the second one's smug. I'll the say. second one's smug or like sultry almost. Yeah. Oh. Like the second one knows what it wants to do with you when the party's over. Oh no. That's but, a that's but, a new that's a that's a like. You found the uh, the deep web version of dinosaurs. Yeah, the, the second one wants the second one wants to touch you behind a, a Honda Civic. That's mm-hmm. that's for 100%. sure. Well, the thing is, it's like the size of a, it's larger than a Honda Civic, so like oh, it knows what it's doing. <laughs> it knows what it's doing. <laughs> um, so in the Happy Lizard one, uh, the Triceratops appears to have a hoof matching that of a horse, right? Yeah. Um. With its frill leading from its chest to chin, spikes along its spine, and a prominent frill fil- like framing its face, right? Yeah. Um, they also kind of are hiding the real feet, rear feet in a way that like feels very familiar to me. Like when somebody is drawing a picture and they can't draw hands, so they oh, like oh, absolutely, they hide the hands. Um, they're just in pockets or holding things to like obscure. Yeah, yeah. yeah you know, that's that's the way. Um, so, in the second depiction, which we talked about a little bit, the smug wants to fuck you one. Uh, F. John um, is the creator of these particular ones. I couldn't find uh-huh. his full name. Um, and it's from a set of printed call- cards called Tier der Urwalt, um, Creatures of the Primitive World. And they're absolutely gorgeous, like the whole set. It's phenomenally, like, good looking. Yeah. Um, and I recommend you check them out. There's, like, a link in the show notes. Um, now... As I as we were saying, where the first uh, Triceratops looks filled with joy, uh, the second has this like supremely profound smugness. Like, oh yeah, and and now Brandon, the way that I describe this, because I did have a, a description for for what I thought it looked like when I first looked at it. Uh-huh. Um, it looks like it farted and controls the windows. <laughs> <laughs> That's very fair, and it's giving like a sidelong glance to its friends behind it, like. That's I got you. <laughs> that's the same look my dad would get on like a long road trip to like mm-hmm. Buffalo, like a- after we left like a, a-, a Hardee's or something to get uh-huh. food. Hundred percent. That is what that is. That 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 like that Triceratops has farted so bad you can smell it outdoors. That Triceratops has left I- the. It, it's just done the fart to your old car. The fart, yes, it's that's done true. the fart. It has done the fart that more or less ruined that car. <laughs> um, also, there's a weird thing about this one. It doesn't have three horns, as far as I can tell. It's a it's a biceratops, not a triceratops. Um, yeah, the third one's hiding behind the big one in the middle. It might be, but I don't know. the perspe- The perspective is off on that. Um. But yeah, it, it's it has something more akin to a modern configuration for the feet, right? Yeah. Um, like there's, I think, uh, uh, let's see, there's like three toes in the back, around like four ish in the front. So, um, and and like the other one, uh, it has a frill leading from the chest to the head. Small spikes are along the back, and a frill that once again is framing the head, right? Yeah. Um, so. It kind of doesn't look like a Triceratops to me so much as it looks like a Triceratops in a 
Crittenden Ceratops, which is like a... It's like another dinosaur species that just doesn't have uh, the horns as much. Yeah, it's, named I think it's a type after... of Triceratops. Oh, maybe, yeah. No, that was named after Spencer Crittenden, the uh, uh, famous uh, D&D uh, player. Yeah? Yeah. The one with the beard. From yeah. uh, Harmon Quest. I'm I'm pretty sure that's that's not. Absolutely true. Is it really? That's why it has cargo pants. Oh, okay, yeah. Meaning horn face from Fort Crittenden formation. Yeah, exactly. What I said. Um it, it has it's a binocorn it not a binocorn. It's a it's a biceratops with like a weird like hooked nose. Um but that being said, the um the image itself does say triceratops, so we're going with triceratops for that. Um So the the weird thing for this, and actually it's not so weird because we're talking about nineteen nineteen uh uh Britain. Um, the article goes on to mention the deaths of an entire village of people as a footnote, basically. Oh, God. Because, um, <laughs> like, like it says that the, the, the monster, like, ravaged a village and just murdered everyone there, right? Yeah. Um, but, like, I mean, I shouldn't have been surprised because it's, like, how the Western world writes about the Global South in general, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, there's like a clear appeal to authority here in this article because they're they're mentioning this like museum head and like implying that hey it could be out there because that wilderness is super big and like white people haven't been in it, right? Um, now, well, if white people haven't been in it, then no one's been in it. Also, that second picture definitely wants to be molested. They're really punishing it by not letting them do that. Well, that's the one that it actually looked like, you see. That oh gosh. They got they got the they got they got the like rationale wrong. It's not cuz it's from antiquity. It's because that's the punishment. Yeah. Um so before we move on, I want to be sure to note I want you all to just like take note of the name of the first witness, M LePage, right? Yeah. Monsieur LePage. Solid I name. Is is how it goes. Um I actually even recommend you write it down. Because, like, if you have the ability, because uh, you're going to want to look at that name again in a bit. Um, now, notably, as I mentioned before, the, the article does not mention the Brontosaurus by name. Um, however, this changes quickly when a follow-up article is posted in December 12, 1919 in The Times. So the article was titled, Dragon of the Prime, Congo Monster Spite Spotted. Boweo, December 4th, delayed. News apparently corroborating the report of the existence in the Congo of a monster known as a Brontosaurus, the thundering saurian, huh. comes from Elizabethville. A Belgian prospector and a big game hunter named M. Gapel, uh, Monsieur Gapel, who has returned from the interior of the Congo, states that he followed up a strange spore for 12 miles and at length sighted a beast certainly of the rhinoceros order. With large scales reaching down its body, the animal, he says, had a very thick kangaroo-like tail, a horn on its snout, and a hump on its back. M. Capel fired shots at the beast, which threw up its head and disappeared into the swamp. So... Wait, what the fuck did they think a brontosaurus was then? Because when they talk about rhinoceros, that's... Are they... Is there... Is there... Is there are they... I, so... 
so Diplodocus was like a known creature. Yeah. Right. Um, and Diplodocus is like a uh, uh, um, uh, the Dippy the Diplodocus specifically was like in the uh, like a casting was in one of the, the like natural history museums yeah. in whatever. Um, and D- Diplodocus is itself a uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I why sauropod? can't I remember this. Yes, it's a sauropod. Thank you, Brandon. Um, Diplodocus is a sauropod. So. And they also know, are familiar with the concept of a brontosaur because, like, this is this is, I think actually like, Dippy has associations with the like story of the brontosaurus. Yeah. Right. Um. In particular, uh. But like, I it, there's a lot to that story. Um. Uh. Anywho. So, um, but yeah, they, they definitely know what a brontosaurus is. It's like the most popular di- dinosaur at the time period. Like, like not even joking. It is one of the most famous dinosaur names. Yeah. Um, TikTok famous. TikTok famous? It's no. TikTok famous. It's more than TikTok famous. This is oh, like shit. people like fucking losing their shit over it. And also keep in mind, um, when was, when was Jurassic, when was King Kong released? The first one? Uh, oh I gosh. It was like 14. Uh, King Kong. 33. Yep. I'm way off. Way off. Um, so uh, in 33, King Kong comes out, and that features a brontosaurus, right? Um, oh, yeah. A little bit early in the story. Like, this is way before then, but, like, brontosaurus is, like, a heavy hitter of the early uh, 20th century. Um, now, and as I mentioned, it is one of the most famous, right? We yep. mentioned it a lot on the show, uh, but... There is a lot to the story of Brontosaurus, right? It was first described in 1879 by Othniel Charles Marsh, one of the key figures in the Bone Wars of the late 1800s. Um, And I'm very comfortable saying that that is going to be the subject of a future episode because I do have uh, the book. Um, We gave a summary at the beginning, but I'm going to give another one. Uh, it was two rich white dudes who want to be the most famous for dinosaurs, yep. so they did what rich white dudes did. Um, that's that's honestly that's there was a the, heist. There was a fucking yeah. heist involved at it, some point. Yeah, it, that's the kind of core of of the of the whole thing, right? Um, now, interestingly, Brandon. Yeah. Uh, you know how we we talk about like oh brontosaurus doesn't actually exist, blah 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 blah, yada yada yada. Or is it the brachiosaurus? Um, Am I getting the two mixed up? Was the Brachiosaurus uh, doesn't exist? Brontosaurus does exist. It, it's no, it's it's Brontosaurus is the one that, that gotcha. Say I got him conflated. In but my it's head. more complicated than that, Brandon. Um, because of course it's more complicated. Because keep in mind also we're talking about a name, right? Yeah. Um. So like you can ascribe a name to literally anything. Yeah. Um, and like, it, whatever. So in 1903 which is pretty recent. Like when we're talking about the, the Brontosaurus discovery, it's discovered in uh, 1879, um, 21, 24 years pass. And Elmer Riggs publishes an article uh, identifying the Brontosaurus as a taxonomical synonym, synonym for Apatosaurus, basically meaning they're the same thing. Right? Yeah. Um, and this held pretty uncontested for decades, but like the like normal community, the non-scientific community doesn't like incorporate this into their into their understanding right uh-huh. 
Um, it wasn't until like much later that like people started talking about it and being like, you know, the Brontosaurus doesn't actually exist as like a, you know, ha 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 thing. Yeah. Um, like every, every time somebody learns about something where, where science has done a misidentification or something along those lines, they talk about it for literally ever. Um, because they don't understand that like getting shit wrong is like part of of science yeah um but whatever uh people like everything to be correct forever and never have to change their opinions on things so you know that's just people um but brandon in 2015 there was a recent movement uh which goes back to instating brontosaurus as a genera um but it's deeply contested right and i'm not gonna go into detail here uh because it's an absolute nightmare of an academic debate, and I have been doing enough academic debate nightmares lately. I yeah. had to, I had to literally rewrite uh, like seven pages of my my paper that I just submitted to Kai. Oh, so God. like, and most of it's because of inane comments that other academics said about the paper. So I've had my fill of academic debates. Yeah. Um. But what is important, Brandon, is that the uh. Brontosaurus is incredibly popular, still commonly used name, well into our lifetime, right? Um, Like, even today, right? And, like, as I mentioned before, it's used in the King Kong movie, and, like, to the point that its appearance in the King Kong movie more or less is responsible for the current depiction of Nessie, right? Um, So, like, it's a lot. It's a very, very, like, important dinosaur right? yeah even if it's a taxon a taxonomical synonym for apatosaurus um what is interesting though is the supposed like examples of brontosaurus i don't think they ever found a skull for it huh yeah um at least i'm pretty sure there was no skull found but yeah and i'm i'm almost positive that i'm still not 100 percent correct on this like <laughs> That I have just for for reference, Brandon. In the show notes, I have of uh-huh. uh, uh, this Pure J infographic of Brontosaurus and Apatosaurus, and that's like it simplified, and it's still yeah. pretty confusing to me as a lay person. Um, now, M. Capel was the witness in this case, and like once again, write that down underneath M. LePage. Just just do it. They have I promise the same you, it'll, first it'll name. It'll, M is Monsieur. This, yeah, I know. That's their first name. It's kind of weird. Yeah, that's okay. Once again, uh, it describes something similar to Triceratops, right? It's more it's more Triceratopsian than it is Brontosaurian or, yeah. or Sauropodian. Um, uh, right? Uh, and, and like even down to like the rhinosaur like nature of it, right? If if someone describes a rhinosaur and then a dinosaur, I'm like, oh, okay, some form of Triceratops, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or that weird thing from uh, the Inhumanoids, what the like old Hanna Barbera cartoon? Oh, those! Fuck yeah! Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that that's the other thing that popped in my head. But like, I I know that it's not. Or, is that the Inhumanoids? I know what you're humanoids. talking about. That's not what it's called, but I know what you're talking about. It's the, yeah, the, her- yeah, the, her- the Herculoids. Like, there's like the weird blob. Yeah, Remember the, the blob? Her- the Herculoids is what it was. The Herculoids. Yep, I yep. knew it was an oids. Yeah, the, the weird like tricerat. It was a weird like uh He could Brontos- shoot out of his head. Yeah, yeah. 
it, it, it's one of those things that like uh, appeared on TV all the time when we were. It younger. was fucking great. They had that, and then they had the Wonder Twins, and then they had um, oh god, the Adventures of uh, Johnny um something. Johnny Test, uh, not Johnny Test. Johnny um, Quest. Johnny Quest. Yeah. Yes. With the kind, of- Johnny Quest was like low key racist. There's no high key. I think high key. I think most cartoons back then were. It was high key. Oh, I mean that's that's like the whole point of the Venture Brothers is literally a parody of Johnny Quest, right? Yeah. So, like that's the whole point of that show is making fun of like how incredibly batshit insane Johnny Quest is as a series. Um, anywho, so um, now there's going to be something that's a little familiar, right? Um, if you if you listen to this podcast, particularly if you've listened to the Mokila Membe podcast of this show, um, the American Smithsonian Expedition was in search of the monster referred to above when it met with a serious railway accident, which several pe- pe- persons were killed. Ruder. Um, on November 17th, last we published, a report to the effect that M. LePage, in charge of a railway construction in the Belgian Congo, had been chased by a monster whose description, in some respects, tallies with the above. Right? So, that's the, the total of the, like, the article thing. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's literally describing the same expedition that I mentioned in the first episode of the Mokili Membe series. Um, and I'm not gonna like retread it because like if i retread it that's like half an episode probably's worth of talking um uh here are the cliff notes for it though the smithsonian did have an expedition at the time um in the form of the smithsonian universal film manufacturing company african expedition um which was to last from july 16th 1919 to july 14th 1920 almost a full year um and they were collecting uh, plant and animal specimens. The objective uh, was not to hunt down Brontosaurus or Triceratops or any mythical, like, dinosaur. Um, they were there. Or was also, uh, it, it was entirely plant collecting, right? Yeah. I don't know if I, I, I can Plants do be right. cool. Huh? I mean, it's, it's super cool. I mean, that's real science, right? Gotta it's get that, that lamb of tartary. Pick that shit. Yeah, it's it's some boring shit that like to people on the outside it's like you're just grabbing plants and dead animals. I have what a plants doing? book. Huh? I have a plants book that I that I book. that I bought for this uh 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 podcast. Yeah, for the the lamb of tartary, right? <clears throat> no, well th- no, that one I didn't buy. Th- it was um for one of the carnivorous plants episodes. I'd um I'm drawing a blank on the title of the you book. Do it's upstairs. A weird number of carnivorous plants episodes. They're fun, right? Because because yeah. I had I had a Venus flytrap as a kid, and they're yeah. fun. And I really never heard of any like mythological carnivorous plants, so I, I find them interesting. Because I, I I thought the the idea of a Venus flytrap was cool as a child, and I was like, oh wow, there's this whole other vein of uh, stuff. I feel like there's like something you could write about the Venus flytrap itself because it's kind of mythical in its own right. Like there's kind of this mythos that exists around the Venus flytrap, right? Yeah. Um, because like, you know what's wild about the Venus flytrap though? It's what's like that? from South Carolina. Yeah. It's such a like, it's such a weird like. Really? It's for a plant that moves. You'd expect it to be from like some 
other area. Anywhere, anywhere yeah. else. Yeah, literally anywhere, anywhere else. else. You're like, oh no, it's literally. just from here. It's just a plant with two little hairs in its mouth. And if you tickle them, it'll close its mouth. Mm-hmm. I'm going to bite you. I was actually kind of terrified of Venus flytraps when I was a kid. They're very soft. I, I don't know. It's just the, the notion of a plant like moving yeah. weirded me out. Um, anywho, uh, when we're returning to the, the Smithsonian expedition, uh, there were actually two deaths that did happen um, involving an incident in the railroad, right? Um, but like, there's a surprisingly, um, their de- description of the events are fairly tame, right? Um, like, like the, the original description, some of the descriptions we read in the previous episode were pretty lurid in what yeah. happened. And some even said that like the dinosaur was there and like responsible for things, right? Like it was... It was a wild time to be alive for news journalism. I mean, today is too. News journalism really hasn't ever not been insane. Is all it's I'm going to say. true. Um, occasionally you get some stuff with real journalistic integrity, but that's not the norm. Um, and like in this particular case, this is a Reuters message, right? So this is like a newswire type thing where they're just printing it verbatim, right? I check both the. Um, the Times and the Daily Mail archives to see like how they published this, and it was pretty much verbatim this particular statement. Um, however, in the uh, the issue of the Daily Times that they um, they published, they had a picture of the Brontosaurus on the back page. Okay. Um, and uh, this is the this is the my best guess at what it says underneath that picture. Um, yeah. Good luck. Alleged prehistoric survival drawn by Daily Mail artists. This illustration recreates, which is literally, um, I think that's what it says, uh, for the size of the mammoth animal animal, uh, of the type classified as Brontosaurus, the existence of, of which in the Congo district is again reported. The drawing is based on paleontologist reconstructions of the monster, whose weight is an estimated between as estimated at between eighty and ninety tons. Jesus Christ! And its proportions compared comparted to those of the human species are also defined. So there's like a little person in that picture as well. You can see it by the tail of one of the. Oh yeah, there's the little fella. Yeah. So I I like this picture for a, like a lot of weird, strange reasons. Um. One of them being, I like the fact that they have the horn, right? Um, and uh-huh. I've seen pictures of brontosauruses with horns before. I don't know where. I tried to figure out where I've seen them before. I can't find it out. I couldn't find them for the life of me. Um, now, and like like when I was looking, the only image I ever found was this one. So it might have been just this one that I saw years ago, right? Yeah. For all I know. Um but uh, a few things to note, this particular depiction of the Brontosaurus um, has the straight legs, the hump on the back, and its tail is dragging, right? Which is kind of par for the course for the time period in terms of uh, like the reconstruction of the Brontosaurus or like sauropods in general. Um, but I'm going to get into that in a little more depth in a second because I did some research on how, uh, how sauropods worked. <laughs> um so, uh, unfortunately, 
Uh, yeah, I already said that. The Daily Mail also has a separate article describing the Brontosaurus with some of the classical gems of cryptozoology before the term was even coined. Because remember, the term isn't coined until like the 40s, right? Yeah. By, um, oh, what was his name? He was a he was a, a source originally on this, but I found primary sources that were better. Gotcha. Um, to his credit, the the dude who's the father of cryptozoology, he actually like is like this is stupid and this hurts the field overall. Yeah. <laughs> um, which you know, not wrong, right? It, no, it, it it is it is fucking stupid and it hurts the, um. Uh, 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 the the overall it, 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 yeah quote. it's it's diluting the the original intent of of w- what he had Bernard Hellman's also it was uh, on the track of unknown animals which was originally published in 1915 1955 um it's like one of the it's regarded as one of the most influential cryptozoological texts we've definitely talked about Bernard Hellman's before on this podcast um, oh absolutely now, with a V yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He he came up in several episodes. I think He's the last up... one I cited him in was Oh gosh, it was um the shit, the one we just did it too with the 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 the, the whales. It was the whales not the Conry. The, the whale the whale pe- Where, penises. There was all those temples with shrines containing whale bones. Um, oh yeah. Uh yeah, yeah. Jesus, whatever that that, that one was. There's, we're 146 in, so my brain is freaking... So, weird thing, in my job, um, one of the things that I do is I interview people for stuff, right? Yeah. Um, like, that's like 60% of my... No, 50, 40% of my job, we'll say, is interviewing people. And um, in... in it, Actually, it wasn't actually an interview. It was a survey that I, I saw this. Somebody was talking about how they, like, scan whale, whale bones with, a like, an app... Yeah, and I was like, "Hey, that's familiar." <laughs> um, that sounds fun. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's like a three D scanning app type thing, right? Um, anywho, so um, this is the other article that the Daily Mail had published um, around the same time. As all are aware, the zoologist can, from a few bones, reconstruct the animal of which they have they formed part. And it is a curious and striking coincidence that the Congo traveler's description of their brontosaurus, again, one of the most famous living dinosaurs of all time, um, generally agrees with zoologist reconstruction, though they probably knew nothing of it. So um, take a second here. They, uh, they say that the brontosaurus is one of the most famous dinosaurs of all time, right? Yeah. And then immediately follow that with, they probably know nothing of the Brontosaurus. Yeah, you gotta love the contradiction. Which is kind of working against yourself there, guys. Just a little bit. Um, So the, the article continues, it is easy to dismiss the reports as traveler's tales. That was the fate of the first news when it reached Europe about the Okapi. Um, wise men said that it was incredible and absurd, but presently an Okapi was brought to Europe alive. In this case, it seems certain that the natives in the area where the Brontosaurus is said to have been seen have been greatly terrified by some unusual and formidable creature. Um, oh, I gotta the, say... The Okapi, by the way, is like a zebra, kind of. It's like a zebra butt with a donkey head. A zebra donkey all related to a giraffe. Yeah, it's it's an interesting thing. They have them at the um, uh, the the 
Brooklyn Zoo. They're kind of cool. Yeah. They're or fun. Bronx Zoo. Sorry, not Brooklyn Zoo. <laughs> Brooklyn Zoo's a different place. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. Those animals will throw a battery at you. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, no, no. It's not the Boston Zoo. Oh, true. True. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, the efficiency with which the Daily Mail fills the cryptozoological bingo card is pretty impressive, right? This is two paragraphs, and they hit a lot of marks, right? Um, They begin with an overestimation of the nature of science, slide directly into unprovable statements about witness exposure to the creature, um, and ironically, the latter of these is totally wrong because neither description aligns with any description I've ever seen of Brontosaurus. Like, even slightly like the one says it's 24 feet which is nowhere near like that's so small that would be such a small brontosaurus um the column goes on to dismiss skeptics and then appropriate local cultures and experiences to prove their point um although they do get credit for a joke about bringing a tank uh later on which is is fun um which i didn't include because it wasn't necessarily necessary um and because it's good copy, the Daily Mail proceeded to milk this story as, like, in going as far to report on a one million pound reward from the American Smithsonian that never existed. Oh God! Um, it is at this point World War One veteran Captain Lester Stevens and his dog Laddie decide to seek out the Brontosaurus in Africa. Um, as an aside, the British would not call a German Shepherd a German Shepherd for so fucking long. They called them Atlassian wolf dogs. It's just oh. a fucking German Shepherd, guys. Yeah. Um, it, it's or is it Alsatian? Uh, whatever. Um, basically, they didn't want to have dogs that were called German because they just fought them. Yeah, because the of obvious reasons. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is World War One, so they weren't like Germany wasn't evil at this point. I want to say because like they were just well. Yeah, they were they were they they were, they were they, doing a, a freedom fries to dogs. They weren't more evil than the rest of the European powers at this point. Yeah, because um, they just wanted to do an imperialism so bad, and the rest of the world stopped them barely. Um, so, like, this is like less of the, yeah. the pure justification war as much as it is the. Uh, you know, whatever war. Regardless, it's the Lord um, of the Rings war. Things get w- yes, it is in fact the Lord of the Rings war. It's the war that gave us Lord of the Rings. Yeah, what was there was like he was talking about like he, he that man experienced one of the worst combats like in the history of anything. Um, yeah, I, I can't remember which which combat it was, but like it was it was there there are there's there's sections of Lord of the Rings where he's just describing World War One, and then when he's interviewed, he's like absolutely not, and then everyone else is like, that's clearly what you're talking about, dude. Yeah, he like um uh he he like really refused um to like discuss. <laughs> yeah. Like, can't, like it can't was, blame him. He's it, like, hey, it was this one was of those a things, trauma that caused yeah. me to write an okay fantasy novel. Yeah. Oh, that you just put down some some fighting words. Listen, there. I'm 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 hard wheel of time <laughs> all the way. Oh God. Um. 
oh, what was it? It was uh also uh King Killer Chronicles of... book three, Doors of Stone comes out on the fourteenth. Shout out Patrick Rothfuss. I know you're listening. It's it's so weird. I'm I'm I, now I'm looking at the, the Wikipedia article <laughs> because uh um uh, Tolkien deliberately avoided saying much about the effect of the war on Middle Earth and specifically denied that Lord of the Rings was an allegory for the Second World World War, as some critics had supposed. Among the few connections, he admitted first that if his char- if any of his characters resembles him, it's Faramir. <laughs> Um, the Scolitary Military uh, Commander, with reverence for the old histories and sacred values that helps him through the bitter war. Secondly, Frodo's gardener, Sam. Wait. Is that who Sam... Was that Sam's job? (laughs) Yeah. I feel dumb. Frozen landscaping. What? Huh? Frozen landscaping? Oh, I said bro is in landscaping, right? Frodo's oh, gardener? Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Anywho, he, like, totally refused to... Uh, um, Battle of Aris, maybe? I don't know. It, it Regardless, uh, it's one of those things where C.S. Lewis, Lewis read it, and he's like, fuck. That's, like, <laughs> exactly it. Yeah. <laughs> so, regardless, um, somebody was dealing with trauma in a way that, honestly... Uh, writing a book about your trauma and like whatever is probably a one of the more adaptive a ways. Great way to work through it. I don't know if you work through it ever. I don't think anyone ever really on, worked to work on it. <laughs> I don't think anyone worked through World War One. If I'm gonna be completely real, because um, because that was a pretty horrific war uh, with the trench warfare. Um, oh, uh, I also. So funny thing, you know George Orwell. This yeah. is this is totally unrelated to the podcast episode, but it's related to war. Uh, George Orwell fought in the Spanish Civil War. Did he? Yeah, he has a he has like an article that he wrote about what grenades are the best to kill people with. <laughs> um. So yeah, mm. yeah. Uh. So Captain Lester Stevens is the central character of Paul Brown's The Dog and the Dinosaur. Um, it contextualizes its life and talks to family members about the man, right? I won't dig too deep into it because, like, it talks about his life. It talks about his experiences after all of this, during all of this, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, like, it's pretty cl- – there's reasons that are very clear that I'm not going to talk about it, and it should be pretty obvious as you read this. Um, Stevens was initially known for his golfing ability, surprisingly. Uh-huh. Uh, so much so that they mention it in the caption of a photograph of him and Laddie, the uh, the German Shepherd, who for some reason has a muzzle, and I don't really understand why. He's he looks like a good dog. He's that talk through said a lot of slurs. Yeah, you had to do something about it. So actually, there is there is a story behind how he got Laddie, right? And I'll get to uh-huh. that in a second. Um, but anywho, uh, Lester during the World War, uh, First World War, worked in China during the time that the war broke out, and then he took a Trans-Siberian Railroad to join the British war effort, right? And during his time there, like most World War One soldiers, he did get PTSD, um, which was shell shock in the parlance of the times. Uh, and he met Laddie, who was a German war dog that was used to transport messages. So oh, got to keep his mouth shut. He kept war- telling secrets. He found a German war dog like over its master's dead body. Yeah, 
And he was like, this is my dog now. You're mine now. It's how we get our kits. I mean, it's the same It's the same basic premise, except uh, he chose the dog. The dog didn't choose him. Cats choose you. True. You, you can't, you can't, you can't choose a cat. If you chose a cat, you haven't, you, My you're family's last yet. four cats just kind of showed up and were like, you're ours now. Pretty much. I mean, that's yeah. how cats work. Yeah. That's literally how cats work, right? They just appear one day, and then that's that's yours. I mean, my cat is literally just my sister's cat who didn't want to be around her anymore. The last cat we got, my sister found in a bush, and its name is Meow Meow Bush Cat. And she went to get it spayed, and it turned out it was already spayed. So she just basically took it on a trip to get fucking ketamine. <laughs> <laughs> Every cat's dream. Not really. My cat hates driving. He hates it so much. I had to take him to the vet recently uh, because his paw was like hurt um i don't know if i talked about this on the podcast or even told you um he was limping for like a good week or two yeah and um the day that it started i took him to the vet because i'm like i am worried about that he's an old man i don't want him to be hurt yeah. so i took him to the vet and he meowed the whole way there uh-huh and um when we got there they like felt it and they found out like his knee was hurting for some reason yeah. so it, it seems like it was soft tissue, ultimately, um, but they were like, okay, cool, we're going to take some blood work, we're going to blah, 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 um, we might want to do some, like, x-rays, and I'm like, fuck no. No, you're going to traumatize this little man. Well, no, also they were wanted me to pay $600 for x-rays oh, to find out if his if there was something, like, if his leg was uh, arthritic or if it was soft tissue, and I was just like... The the response that I have to do there is the same either way. Yeah. So like, no, I'm not doing that. Um. Anywho, returning to the story, uh, after about a year, um, after the fighting ended on the Western Front, our story picks up. Right. So, World War One ends like late 1918. Um, 1919 is when the story takes place. Uh, Stephen apparently at this point decides to go to the Congo to hunt the Brontosaurus. Um, and here I'm going to quote from the Daily Mail, December 15th, 1919 article announcing his trip, War Dog to Track Brontosaurus. Okay. <laughs> when Captain Lester Stevens, MC, leaves London on Christmas Eve for Central Africa, he will take his barrage door, Laddie, with him. Laddie, partly sheepdog, partly wolf, that's not what a German Shepherd is at all, um, is about the size of a Great Dane. If it was a, if it was partly wolf, it would be bigger than a Great Dane. I'll tell you that much. Uh, oh, my in-laws super brief aside. Their puppy just turned three months old. That shit's forty pounds already. Jesus, is it a German Shepherd? No, it's a uh, uh, a Cane Corso. It's a it's a an Italian Mastiff. Oh, one of those things. Yeah, it's got the like weird face, right? It looks like a bear. It looks like a small bear. God. Um. <laughs> It'll be Laddie's first trip to uh, trip out of Europe. Um, and I skip a bit here because it's kind of inane. Um, the prehistoric monster uh, for which he will help Captain Stephen search is said to have been seen lately in the Congo by two Belgian travelers, M. Gapel and M. LePage. The American Smithsonian Institute has offered one million pounds to anyone who will bring him to them. Captain Stevens thinks that there is a subterranean sea in Central Africa in huh? which the reptile is hiding. Why? Why would you think that? I don't know. Should, he just, show me your work. Apparently, he just told the Daily Mail that, and the Daily Mail is like, yeah, fuck it, we, we ballin'. Um, 
And to attack him, they sh should they meet, he is taking the following armaments. One Manchester Manlicher Schroner rifle, uh, one Winchester repeating rifle, one 12 bore double barrel shotgun. So he's bringing three guns with him, um, and a one 45 Smith and Wesson revolver. Right. Um, the thing that they don't mention in this article that they mention in the boy and his dinosaur or the dog and the dinosaur article uh, is that he also brought two butterfly nets. Um, Fine. Along okay. With Fine. And it's not to capture the brontosaurus, but to capture rare butterflies, because he was a he was into like butterfly preservation and yeah. like like he was a collector of insects. I support that more than like running off to the Congo with like several guns to hunt a dinosaur in a a, a questionably extant at the time for him. I guess see that's subterranean. Uh, so I don't think he was entirely actually like he just going wanted to search for the sort like, leftover sisterhood leftover. of the traveling pants a butterfly trip through Maybe, the guise like, of a dinosaur. Kind of like it seemed more like he was seeking adventure after the trauma of World War One, right? Like oh yeah, it, it honestly feels a lot more like oh this dude was traumatized and gotcha. he needs to go somewhere. He needs so to do just, something. Yeah, so he's going to Central Africa and like maybe he was pro maybe he like joked to a friend at like the bar where he's like, Yeah, I'm going there to hunt hunt down the Brontosaurus, right? Um although we don't know because he like never really talked about it to his son afterwards. Um, yeah. But anywho, uh his story quickly loses relevance to the broader myth of the colonies Brontosaurus. Um and uh Pat Brown does dig a bit deeper into the dog and the dinosaur. Uh, so if you want to know more about his particular story, I recommend you go into it. But, you know, um, excuse me. Uh, and there's a there's a drawing of a new concept of the Brontosaurus there, which is fucking nuts. That looks much closer to like the old English um, type of illustration of a dragon than it does any, you know, known dinosaur. To be fair, it also looks a lot more like the description than any of the other descriptions were. True. <laughs> like any of the other pictures. Um, so, once again, Stevens is a semi-renowned gar golfer, veteran, yada, 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 right? I really think he was joking about the Brontosaurus personally. And the Daily Mail is like, fuck it, we're doing it. Um, Stevens was not the only person to quote-unquote hunt the Brontosaurus, Brandon. Oh god! Um, I found not one but two personnel personal ads in the Times, which were calls to action for or advertisements for trips to the Congo for a big game hunt. The latter of the examples I found might have been a bit tongue in cheek, however. Um, to secure a specimen of this animal may be a trifle difficult, but it's child's play compared to trying to secure a small house at a reasonable rent. But nil desperandum. Meet me same time and place Thursday, and we will inspect. Any that are offered to box T988. Um, to me, that sounds a little sarcastic. Yeah. Uh, it sounds like a kind of dig at like the economy, personally. But, uh, you know, to each their own. Um, the, in the article where Stephen's trip is announced, there is another big game hunter who offers his own opinions uh -huh. on the, the whole thing. Mr. Walter Wiggins. Winnins. A big game shop believes the existence of the reptile. If I were younger, 
I should be up after him, he said yesterday. The late Carl Hagenbeck, the animal dealer, told me before the war that two of his travelers on different expeditions in recent years in different years had seen the Brontosaurus in the swamps of Central Africa. I believe I am right in saying that Mr. Hamlin, the animal dealer, also believes the creature still exists alive. I do not think that it is impossible that some of the prehistoric animals have survived. And while when several explorers have seen glimpses of what they think to be such animals, they are most probably right. If not, as if someone not used to recognizing them uh, in in stangle, I think I mangled that word. No, uh, nailed it. Instantly, I think it was. I think it was originally instantly saw animals for the first time. Um, These men are always on the lookout for new species and know all the usual animals by sight, which kind of sounds a little (sighs) bit like uh, that's a thing that we've heard a lot about a lot of people talking about a lot of fields, like including uh, airplane operators, cops, uh, pick a thing where somebody's trying to justify someone's unjustifiable actions, where it's like, nah, they totally know how, what they're doing. Um, yeah. Whatever. Also, they're big game hunters, so I think that they're morally reprehensible individuals, but that's a whole other thing. Um, True. Uh, it is possible that the sea serpent is one of those so-called extinct reptiles, and that the dodo may ex- still exist somewhere not yet explored. The quagga, too, which existed till a few years ago. It may still live in some unexplored part of Africa, and the mammoth and the cave bear still wander Siberia. So, uh, yeah. There's been this cave is, bears things. We could probably get a cave bear episode out at some point. We could point. probably get a cave bear episode. We could probably get a mammoth episode. We, there's yeah. pretty much anything that's gone extinct. There's almost definitely a story that we could tell about somebody who believes that they're real and like is drawing a line in the sand at how they're real. Um so it's really interesting here, though, to see how far back like the cryptozoological rhetoric has its roots, right? Mm-hmm. Certainly, we don't know everything about the natural world, right? But it is bad faith to assume that these creatures still exist when, all, by all metrics, uh, their extinction is directly documented. Yeah. Right? The dodo and the quagga, we watched die out. Yup. And in the dodo in particular, we are explicitly responsible for that fucker dying out. <laughs> um... Like, the argument's not necessarily correct, uh, but it really lacks contextualization and nuance necessary for good science, right? Yeah. Um, like, we kind of have to assume, until you have evidence that shows something else, you have to assume that, like, that's just probably not the case, right? You know? Uh-huh. Um, of course, it's probably, so it's not 100%. Oh, but actually, whatever. on topic, several rhino species have gone extinct in the very recent... <laughs> times yeah that checks also out so explicitly due to us yeah i mean well yeah like 100 percent, right yeah that's just what we do we just kill things right that's all yeah and also we just ruin things as well so we do also i hate to do this i know i peed right before the episode but i see how far we are in and how much is left we okay I have to I have to do a tinkles. Go do a PP. Oh, I'm gonna do. Oh, you do a PP. Go do a PP dance. But, but 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 fill the air so I don't have to edit. Okay. <laughs> uh, all right, I'll work on it. I'll go fast. I promise. I'm gonna be Let's so see. fast. Mm. We're going we're going fast. 
So let's uh, let's open up the Mokile Membe episode and try and find uh, our friend that we just encountered again. Uh, what is his name? What was his name? His name was. His name was not Lester Stevens. That's the dude we're talking about. Carl Hagenbeck. Carl Hagenbeck. Um, so Carl Hagenbeck, and I'm gonna tell Brandon this a little bit in more depth. Uh, he's an asshole. Um, if you haven't listened to the Mokile Membe episode, I kind of recommend you listen to it because uh, he has a book called Beasts and Men, Being Carl Hagenbeck's Experience for Half a Century Among Wild Animals. <laughs> book is totally public domain. You can read it on uh, on uh, archive.org. Um, and this is actually the story about him uh, encountering the brontosauruses. Or the, the story of him hearing about the brontosauruses. Some years ago, I received reports from two quite distinct sources of the existence of an immense and wholly unknown animal said to inhabit the interior of Rhodesia, which Rhodesia is like the old term named after that asshole imperialist. Um, almost identical stories reached me. Firstly, through one of my own travels, and secondly, okay. through an English that gentleman break who has been shooting was brought to you by um, Pineapple Sparkling Seltzer. Interesting. Yep. The reports were quite independent of each other, and as a matter of fact, the Englishman and my traveler had made their way into Rhodesia from opposite directions, one from the northeast and the other from the southwest. This is Carl Hagenbach's story. Basically, gotcha. he's like, I heard one of these through the grapevine, and the other one I heard directly. Um, really, neither of them are true. Uh, oh, yeah, that's the other thing. Carl Hagenbach is a is a Mokila Membe alumni, right? Oh, good. Um, now... I read a little bit of what his, he wrote in his book uh, while Brandon was using the restroom. Um, but he is a prolific asshole. <laughs> uh, that's the only way I can describe him as prolific asshole. Um, yeah. He is responsible for the first Western account of Mokila Membe. Um, and he is a salesman of animals to P.T. Barnum, father of the modern, oh, modern zoo. And if you'll remember, the <sighs> ethnography showman. <laughs> Yeah, um, and that was uh, Oofty Goofty, I think, um, we covered uh, or touched on this uh, partially. Oofty Goofty definitely brushes up against the Carl Hagenbeck uh, bullshittery. Um, I'm not going to dig deeper into the story. Uh, we talk about it at length in the first Mokila Membe episode, so if you want to hear more about that, go for it. Um, now, aside from it being uh, at least acquaintances with a complete douche, Winnins had more to say about the Brontosaurus, spoken like a true white European from the early 1900s. The scientist draw it standing on its legs as a mammal, horse, or deer would. Now, no mammalian animal has the combined heavy tail and long neck this animal has. And I skip over a bunch where he talks about the kangaroo and the giraffe and about, like, balance and things along those lines, knowing nothing. He knows... He doesn't know anything about how the physics actually works of those things, so I'm not even going to bother reading them here. Mm-hmm. Um... Now, the brontosaurus is heavy both in the tail and the neck, which are both besides very long. If it stood as scientists draw it, the tail and neck would be would overbalance it, and a slight pull of wind from the side would blow it over. <laughs> it is ridiculous to think that an animal 100 feet long would have legs close together in the middle and have three quarters of its length sticking out in front and behind unsupported in the air. Uh, the idea that the brontosaurus was a reptile. My idea is that the brontosaurus was a reptile, practically a crocodile with a snake-like neck and not a mammal that carried and not a mammal. 
It carried itself like a crocodile does. That is, it crawled on its belly when on land and did not walk on straight legs. I think it crawled its neck drawn back so as to strike like a cobra. <laughs> That's kind of <laughs> rad. Most like, it had most likely poisonous fangs. That's way more rad. I like his version. <laughs> In fact, it was a big poisonous litter lizard and that it was brilliantly colored like them and perhaps discharged poison through its skin like a toad does when irritated that's such that's so cool i want that to be real <laughs> the best weapon to shoot it would be the magnificent mauser rifle such as the germans no. used against tanks oh that ma- oh, sorry yeah. Only with explosive shells instead of an armor piercer. I think the Brontosaurus has a skin only as tough as a rhinoceros. Um So when I first read that I was like, I guess I guess like thinking that it moves like a crocodile is like a reasonable like guess. Right? Yeah, um, he he's drawing or like he's thinking in, in, in things that are most familiar to him to be able mm-hmm. to justify you know whatever known you know yeah. things there are on the fossil record yeah when i first read it i was like okay i can see where he's coming from on this right um but even by the science of the time brandon this is ridiculous because i i it's looked into wild. what the science of the time was um i want whatever he just talked about to show up in a movie i'm gonna watch tomorrow <laughs> it it if it were 1819, Brandon, this actually would be pretty cutting edge. Um, but it's not. It's 100 years later. Um, uh, and we'd really actually come pretty far in our reconstructions of the sauropod by this point. Um, relative to where we are, where we started, right? Uh, we didn't start in a great place for reconstruction, let's no. just say. Um, his description actually matches nearly one-to-one with a suggestion made by Oliver Perry Hay... Um, in the mid uh, mid nineteen aughts, that asserted that an upright elephantine leg depictions of sauropods were inaccurate, and it would actually walk like a lizard or crocodile, allowing it to rest its weight on the ground. Allowing it to rest its weight on the ground. I burped, hiccuped as I did that one. That Hiccups. was an interesting thing. Oh God! Talking about combos when I was sick on uh, Friday, I had to fart and I coughed. And that turned into I shit the couch. <laughs> that's, that's why you can't do both. Yeah. You can't, if you're sneezing, coughing, or farting, you can't layer anything else with it. Well, the cough forced the, the shard out, and that was a time. Because you're, you're can't, you can't control the sphincter anymore. No. My O-ring's blown out. Oh, God. Oh, uh... So I went to fill my my car tire pressure up because it's that time of year where like uh-huh. you know every other week. Did you check you the fill. car door? What? There's a sticker on the inside of the driver's side car door that gives you the tire pressures for the front and rear uh, tires. Oh, I know the tire. I know the pressures. Okay. Um. So uh, I went to fill it, and um, I press it on the thing. Uh huh. Like, and it it doesn't go, and I'm like, what the fuck? press 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 it's not making doing anything because it's like one of those automatic ones where like, as soon yeah. as it triggers it, it goes so i smack the thing it goes and i'm like it's not filling why isn't it filling i look at it and the like bit in the middle had been blown out oh god so i was just like huh 
all right well that sucks still need to fill my tires up again anywho <laughs> you gotta do it's getting colder out they're gonna it's just they're gonna need a little bit more more air i'll make it to a uh, i'll make it to a stewards eventually gotta get them psis I'll I've got I've got one of a, a a compressor in the back of my truck. I have a compressor too, but it okay. sucks. <laughs> it takes forever. It only it's it's got a it's one of the pancake ones, and it takes forever to charge. Oh, gotcha. It doesn't hold the pressure very well. I, I the only thing it really works well for is my uh, my bike tires. Um, oh, one of and those. Even then, I don't think it gets enough pressure. Schrader valves. Uh, huh. On your bike tires, you got the them good good Schrader valves. It's a normal valve. I don't know. Okay. I, I Brandon, Brandon, it's the valve that it came with. <laughs> okay. I need to get new tires at some point, but it is the valve that it came with. Um. Anywho, let's go. Let's go back to the description of uh, Oliver Perry Hay. Um. So he asserted that upright elephantine legs. Uh, depictions of sauropods were inaccurate and it would walk like a lizard or a crocodile, allowing it to rest rest its weight on the ground. Um, This suggestion was actually extremely quickly rejected uh, in 1910 by William Jacob Holland, uh, who noted, in addition to the extremely painful positioning of the limbs, like it would actually physically hurt the brontosaurus to have that configuration. (laughs) Um, The ribcage would literally need a trench for the creature to move as it would be lower than the ground. Oh God. Um Oh, that's right. Additionally, while it was in vogue to draw sauropods with dragon tails in paleo art at the time, so this part I can't fault him on because in 1919 this was something that was like common. Um we now understand that sauropods on the whole did not drag their tails. Um in part because there are almost no drag in uh, footprints for sauropods right? oh fair so like there's if if you don't see the drags there's probably not going to be a tail drag right so the tail is yeah. probably not on the ground um i think also there's like simulations that say that like they had like super like strong cartilage or whatever um i do have a picture here from the same uh tier de earth which is the uh whatever the something of the earth thing from earlier where we had the the smug Triceratops, mm-hmm. um, which is a depiction that actually looks more like uh, Winans than anything, right? It's got the kind of curved neck. It's got the alligator-like limbs, all that stuff. But, it's um, got one extra joint in the front fucking... <laughs> yeah, it's it's not... It's I'm looking, So it's, that'd be wrist, elbow, it, shoulder. It's It's got one extra joint. In there it to make like it work. It looks like it wants to die. Is what I'm going to say. It looks like it's been like you cursed. You can't tell me that that face isn't looking isn't in pain. That's not a natural animal. That's something that's been polymorphed by an evil wizard because you got its fucking order wrong at Starbucks. Yeah, it's it's dying. It's dying in slow yeah. motion. Um, or maybe fast motion. I don't know. That kind of configuration probably can't live that long. Anywho. No. Um, here, others enter the story, chiming in on their thoughts and feelings regarding the matter. One of my favorites is the mention of an unpublished four-page letter to Captain Stevens. Huh? Wait, how do we know what it says if it's unpublished? They they mention it. Okay. Since the story of my search for the Brontosaurus was first told in the Daily Mail, I have been inundated with letters from offers, officers and others wanting to take part in the search. Uh, one dear odd lady wrote four... I'm not sure if it was odd or old. 
I might have. I, that that was one that I wasn't 100% on. One lady wrote four pages of impassioned appeal for the great reptile's life to be spared when I should encounter him. She added that she had long been a member of the Wild Birds Protection Association. Okay. I like the idea that he's English and he's just calling her a wild bird. Like, this lady's crazy. <laughs> um, <laughs> interestingly, though, Brandon, there was actually a kind of rush to save this brontosaurus life and calls to protect this creature. Which, to be fair, personally, if it was real, I'd be like, don't fucking kill that. The ability for people to just buy into wild things, even now, still is just astonishing. It's upsetting. It's very upsetting. Um, Now, people were also extremely quick to point out flaws in the whole story, right? Um, One letter the editor uh, questions a report because they actually know about the local geography and demographics of uh, uh, Fungarume. Yeah. Um, may I point out that Fungarume, the place in Africa near which M. LePage is said to have seen the Brontosaurus, has been, for some years, a station on the Katanaga ra- Railway, some 140 miles east from Elizabethville, the chief town of Katanaga, and the country of Fungurume, um, has been rather extensively traveled in recent years by prospectors and engineers. So, basically he's saying... Shit's not as wild as you think it is, guys. Yeah, it's not that wild. It's been being been combed over by people trying to find a way to make profit off the land already. Yeah. The Europeans have been ruining, despoiling that land already. Don't worry. You don't have to worry about. Don't worry. They got it covered. They're ruining everything. <laughs> exactly. Everything. Your idea is bad because everyone else is bad and they've already tried to do the bad things. So they, it, they, it, they should not be not there. Uh-huh. Yeah. Pretty much. Pretty much. The wheels of capitalism tell me this is not possible. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's a fair rebuttal to claim uh, and one that we've actually made on this podcast a number of times, I'd say. Right? Um. The Daily Mail would publish a number of letters to the editors, some affirming the tale, others rebuking it. In December 1919, people lost their minds over the Brontosaurus story, with crowds actually swarming the Natural History Museum to see the plaster cast of Dippy the Diplodocus, um, which is a controversial reconstruction in its own right. Um, My personal favorite rebuttal, though, comes a few years later. Or not a few years later, a few months later, uh, in a letter to the editor of the Times by Wentworth D. Gray, acting representative of the Smithsonian African Expedition in the Kantanaga. I am authorized to contradict the statement that the members of the Smithsonian African Expedition who proceeded to this territory came here to hunt the Brontosaurus. Um, there is no foundation to the statement. I may also state that the report of the Brontosaurus arose from a piece of practical joking in the first instance. And as to regards to the prospector, Gapel, uh, this gentleman does not exist except in the imagination of a second practical joker, who ingeniously coined oh, the name God. from that of Mr. L. LePage. So check your notes if you wrote those down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Turns out they're anagrams. Oh, no shit. Oh shit! I love that's a thing that people used to do. No shit. Yeah, that's right. It's 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 an anagram of LePage, like that's almost rad. perfect anagram. Um, actually, it is a perfect anagram if you include his, the first letter of his first name, which was L. Um, 
That's sick. So, so the whole thing is like a joke followed by another joke, right? Yeah. But Brandon, who's Mr. LePage? And weirdly enough, we know. That's, I like this. I like, I like where this is going. I like it. I approve. So to get to the truth, I return to Paul Brown's The Dog and the Dinosaur. Um, unfortunately, I can't find art references to the articles referenced because um, they're from like they're from newspapers that are not like easy to get a hold of. Um, all of my <sighs> sorry, all of my like articles that I use for this episode, I uh-huh. got from um, I got from the uh, the the. Uh, New York Public Library uh, because they have a thing where you can set up a, a library card. Remotely oh, and I forget the name of articles. the app. I'll have to try to remember. If you have a public library card, there is an app where you can just like stream all of their their um, movies. They have. Oh wow. Um, gosh, I'll have to find try to find what that is because I know we 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 uh, approve of public libraries and. Um, Let's see. It is called the uh, Canopy with a K-A-N-O-P-Y, an app called Canopy that works with your public library card and lets you stream thousands of movies completely free, no ads, no limits. So hmm. use your public library to stream. Yeah. Yep. I mean, support your public library, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Um, theoretically, I probably should have just gone to the library to take out the book on the Gilded Dino- the the gilded dinosaur thing we need but, to uh, build a weird library that after we die our friends and relatives will have to go through and try to figure out what the fuck we were doing with these books pretty much i mean my life right now as it stands is already pretty like what the fuck are you doing with your life what the fuck did you do with your life i can see your living room behind you <laughs> do you know how many knockoff like random ass knockoff toys i have just because i like knockoff toys because they're hilarious to me they're fantastic too many too many um i, I love i love i know your house but i love that there's one, two, three, four, five display cases behind you with shit on top of them because you ran out of space well, not because I ran out of space, because I wanted to put them there. It was a choice, Fair. Brandon. Okay, um, we've got we've got some some Overwatch folks on top of some of them. We've got uh, some Dino Riders. We've got the Baraki. It, it's a whole thing. It's a whole <laughs> thing. All right. I I don't need to justify my behavior. You have to justify your behavior. <laughs> <laughs> um, why are you looking? uh anywho um getting back to the truth um i'm returning to paul brown's the dog and the dinosaur as i mentioned because once again i can't get access to the the original article um lepage it turns out was an australian man named dave lepage with an elastic imagination in quotes he was working at uh, the railway works in Furugume when he met a missionary or an American engineer, depending on which version of the story you hear, um, who he told his story to to fuck with as per the norm, right? Absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. Capel was a near anagram of his surname and a known pseudonym of LePage. It was, he, it's a thing that he used in the past, apparently, <laughs> to do like jokes. I love that. Um, 
when all said and done, LePage was colloquially known as Brontosaurus Dave in the area, <laughs> which is amazing. <laughs> He's the kind of guy you want to go up to. Like, if you just happen to be in a bar and then someone's like, have you spoke to Brontosaurus Dave yet? That's the guy you want to saddle next to. <laughs> yeah. 100%. 100%. Um, so you might ask, Brandon, did the Daily Mail acknowledge that this report had happened? Because, um, by the way, this was, like, figured out really quickly. Uh-huh. Like, extremely quickly. Oh, um, absolutely do, not. How else are you, you going to sell they, your paper? Yeah. So, um, I was surprised because they actually do mention it in oh, one of their what? articles. So, uh, latest advices from the Belgian Congo discredit the story of the prehistoric monster, the Brontosaurus, and assert the original description was given as a joke. That's in the, one of their articles. Like, they, they, they bury the lead on that one. Yeah. And then they immediately follow it up with a justification. One well-known traveler in Central Africa says it is possible that there may exist a queer animal which the natives described as a hippopotamus with the horns of a rhinoceros. Because the native reports are extraordinarily persistent regarding the presence of such a beast in almost untrodden districts. Isn't a hippopotamus with the horns of a rhinoceros just a rhinoceros? (laughs) Kind of. It's a fat rhinoceros, I'd say. Yeah. Did you know know hippos don't actually swim? They bounce. They walk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They just kind of like wild. do a fun little doop, boop, 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 and then they eat you. Yeah. Um, keep in mind, though, Brandon, this article was posted on December 22nd uh, of 1919, and um, they post an article about Stevens leaving on December 24th, and they have no mention of this revelation. No. Oh. Um, nor do they, like, tell, ask Stevens, hey, Stevens, you hear it was fake? <laughs> 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 which honestly would I, I see i get that it's to sell papers but i think it would be way funnier to be like hey dude who's about to go to central africa for uh years now yeah um what do you think what do you think about this being fake and then just like watching the reaction <laughs> um but once again i don't think that he was actually like legitimately going to hunt the brontosaurus yeah so his reaction probably he wanted to get great. them butterflies Mm-hmm. He actually got married while he was there, divorced, and then married someone else he met there what? when he came back to England. What? Yeah. That's it, it, amazing. I, I have to recommend the dog and his dinosaur and the dinosaur, because like that's a it's an interesting story. His his life story is interesting, but not like after after the articles, he like has nothing to do with the uh the dinosaurs. Yeah. So um also, I want to take a second. Yes. Uh, I have the great in quotes for this episode for the Brontosaurus hoax. Because um, that's the way that it's written on the, the like, I found it on a, like, cryptozoology uh, wiki. And, uh-huh. like, that's the name of the article is the great Brontosaurus hoax. And personally, I don't really agree that this is all that great. It's it's pretty mundane overall. Um but yeah, I don't know. Also, um, the number of articles that are named the Brontosaurus uh-huh. uh, in this story, it's a lot. There are at least three articles that were named the Brontosaurus. 
Oh God. In the two of them being in the Daily Mail. So they 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 didn't even like try to make it like they didn't try, Brandon. <laughs> um actually I'm gonna read the names of the of the articles because they're kind of interesting. Uh-huh. Um so we mentioned the a tale from out Ar- Africa, uh Dragon of the Prime. Um then we also had the Brontosaurus tale, which is pretty good, pretty solid, pretty solid. Um, could be a good fun. Uh, Brontosaurus hunt for the Daily Mail. Uh, war to track Brontosaurus. Um, then we had uh, an old lady's appeal for mo- the monster's life. Uh, the Brontosaurus, brothers of the Brontosaurus, the Brontosaurus, and of course, as you know, the the most uh, fascinating and amazing title, the Brontosaurus. Yes. Um, but yeah, so that, that's all we got for this episode. Um, we're gonna cover the Bone Wars at some point. Um, I think there's a decent chance that I just do a bunch of these types of ones where I just talk about, like, weird, people being weird about, like, living dinosaurs. Yeah. Um, a lot of them are pretty racist. This one was surprisingly less racist than they usually are. (laughs) It's fair. I'm not comfortable saying it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, uh, that's that. Um, whatchamacallit? Uh, there was something I was going to say, but I forgot it. So I guess we do plugs. All right. Um, our website is Cryptopediacast.com. Our Instagram is at Cryptopediacast. Our Twitter is at Cryptopediacast. Oh, actually, um, avoid Twitter on the on Thursday, apparently, because I guess PragerU is taking control of Twitter. Oh. Um, and PragerU is, I'd say, the antithesis of this podcast. <laughs> it's fair. What do you mean by taking control? Are they, I don't. I don't, even, like, I don't even think I want to know. <laughs> it, you remember, you remember sure years ago out. when, like, Kane and Lynch, that game, Kane and Lynch came out, Kane and Lynch 2 came out, and, like, yeah. uh, Kotaku or something, like, they changed all of their, like, branding for the website to be Kane and Lynch 2. Oh, It's gotcha. going to be basically that, but PragerU. Oh. Um, that's yeah, so I'm, a choice. I, I finally, huh? So that's a choice. Yeah, I finally downloaded... Uh, blue sky to my phone so i'll probably be switching to that relatively soon i've actually already started looking at threads but for some reason thread shows me a bunch of so instagram's algorithm is frustrating for me instagram's algorithm just started sending me full nudes yeah right (laughs) yeah yeah like i'm not even (laughs) okay cool so i'm not the only person yeah like i've been noticing that it's been like more and more like this seems like a lot more than usually just shows up if you just before you even type anything in just things that show up and then mm -hmm. earlier this morning i opened it it it's just full nudes yeah no it's it's gotten wild um like it's gotten it's Pretty bad. I'm not even. I'm not even. It's just full nudes. Are, are you? This is. What I you, just hit the search glass and didn't type anything in, and it's just full nudes. Huh. Well, I have a person talking about. I have a person who's advertising their OnlyFans where they fuck tractors. Sweet. 
I have uh, a bunch of Anya videos. <laughs> There's a Gundam with a penis. <laughs> yeah, it's gotten a lot hornier. A lot. Like a lot hornier. Like I was super surprised when I was brow- like when I was just flicking through the the like uh, reels. I was just like, huh. I just love also because I like sumo. I mean, currently in the middle of the November yeah. fantasy sumo draft. So it's just all nudes and then just like random sumo wrestlers show up. Hot. <laughs> Hot. Oh, God damn it. Anywho, um, social media is a nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it's like, it's weird that social media came into existence in our lifetime and it's like completely exploded in our lifetime too. Yeah, it's wild. It's it's exploded and then also like collapsed. Well, that's what I mean. <laughs> yeah. I mean more like it's when I say exploded, I mean exceeded the size of the container it's in and is now in chunks around the world. Yeah. It's and like ruined. Ridiculous. Um yeah. <clears throat> Oh, and also uh, thank you to all our uh uh, our, our, our patrons, our patrons. Yeah, uh, sorry for delaying this week, but I had a little bit of uh, 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 my voice was gone, and then I shit the couch. Um, mm-hmm. So thank you very the, it, the much. The perils of owning uh, I, I was of owning a child. Peril- <laughs> yeah, I. So, <laughs> I was gonna joke about that before the like. I was thinking about oh, that'd be a funny joke to talk about. Um, I just said that unironically. <laughs> um. Which is why I'm not fit to have a child. <laughs> There's listen. She turned two and she's got an attitude now. She she mm-hmm. puts on her own clothes in her backpack as soon as she gets home from school. Puts on a hat, grabs her purse, and then just like walks around with her hands on her hips and gets on her scooter and goes bye and just takes off down the hallway. Yeah, that that sounds about right. Um, oh, so thank my you. sister's yeah. my sister's. Uh, son who's about the same age as pika uh-huh. um uh he is currently in the phase of of uh toddlerhood where he hits everything yep yep grabs. that exists so that's fun and grab what do you say in grabs <laughs> he like he's grabs really hard uh well she's got a little boy so he's gonna be grabbing his dingus soon yeah well he no he grabs people oh like, he beats people up <laughs> I'm bullied by my ne- my nephew. That's, <laughs> that's fair. Um, uh, oh, yeah. So thanks to our jackalopes who help uh, uh, keep the wheels turning on this on this well-oiled machine for Just real. Pay for hosting costs. Hosting costs. And um, maybe I've been watching a lot of Watcher uh, recently. So hopefully we can get you some... New stupid ghost equipment soon. I, I I'm gonna read. You want a REM pod? You want a REM pod or an ovulus or a oh. fucking? There's some other piece of equipment that they talk about, and I'm like, that's a fucking obvious. noise gate. That's a guitar pedal. Um. Anyway, thank you to Will Smith, Bushcraft Kelso, Lenwood S Sharp, Bert Schneider, Marty Von Party, and the indomitable Clay Sinclair. Okay, so I just looked up Obulus on line. I can buy a bad 
thermal camera for $500. Jesus Christ. Um, and it just like plugs into the bottom of my phone. Oh, this one's 300, almost $300. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay, Brandon. Okay. This is fucking hilarious. They're just like, so (sighs) Brandon, this thing I just showed you, this thing I just showed you. Okay. One sec. Wait, what is this? Hang on. Click. Let's open. Oh, a spirit box. He sent me a link to a spirit box. Panoramic spirit box. Ghost hunting equipment. Handheld EVP so, ghost hunting equipment kit. 32 gigabytes micro SD. Um, integrated flashlight. Paranormal equipment ghost box for scanning and recording spirits. Yeah, so that is a thing. What the fuck? Okay. So that's a thing. Um, Brandon, because I'm a weirdo. Um, yeah like i just am full stop like you can't deny that i'm not a weirdo um i have a cassette recorder slash radio that's cheaper than this by like a wide margin looking at this i was just gonna mention that looking at the inputs and outputs on it there's a scan which is probably similar to your scan on your car radio from when cars had radio is like that it's the it's the same thing that the um it's the same thing that the uh the spirit box does it's just an audio recorder with a radio on it yes yes that's there's rewind fast forward there's a a radio an fm radio i don't know if it's am but an fm radio like channel forward back delete jesus christ yeah it's really fucking stupid oh so something Um, i i wanted to also like i thought would be cheap but turned out to be expensive to do pranks at work is um I wanted to get an ultrasonic uh parametric um uh uh, uh, uh speaker array. Mm-hmm. Turns out they're way more expensive for even for like little shitty ones. But they're um hell like if I was to like play a video for you on YouTube and any everyone if we're sitting at a table everyone could hear it with the ultrasonic um uh speakers their their wavelength allows them to be directional so like if there's a room full of people i could make it so from across the room only you hear it so i wanted to get one just to like play weird sounds at people at work that only they could hear even with people around them just like 300 dollars for like a shitty one so brandon yeah um this is what the scan feature is Yeah, it's just going through all the different, like, yeah. FM frequencies. <laughs> this is a 100 milliseconds per, like, decimal megahertz frequency. Yeah. Right? Um, it's really dumb because, like, I, I opened this on stream, like, a couple, like, back when I first got it. Um, it's just a radio that has a, f- like a, a potentiometer, or like a, a, a timer switch that it, yeah. it can go again and again. It's all it is. And it's like, ridiculous how expensive this is. Cause you can, you can, you can accidentally make a radio do what this does. Well, it's people, I suspect figured out they can buy very cheap things and slightly modify them for a very niche market. So Brandon. Here's the fucked up thing. Yeah. About the uh, 
PSB 70 spirit box. This is a custom PCB. Oh God, that's right. No, because I watched I watched you take it yeah. apart. That is a custom PCB. It is a custom PCB. So like it's so dumb. Which it's dumb. I know there's like they probably didn't go to like a legit board house. They probably went to like an online board house to do that. But that's I mean, probably for custom PCB like Well, I'll, that's why it's so expensive, right? I'll, yeah. They're, they're not like actually building the board at scale of any kind. But right? here's the fucking thing. Even for um gosh, I haven't looked at a lot of electronics in a while. I have a circuit board software um um on my laptop downstairs, but even that you can create a circuit board through the software and just like the service will automatically connect you with a company that'll that'll ship you like a ship set of like 3, but that's still under like $100. I mean, given that you have like a small PCB with reasonable components, so we still, even through, like, a small volume board house, have, like, a sub-$50 PCP on there. Oh, God, Brandon. Yeah? So I was looking up the Obulus. Oh, God. One, it's out of stock right now. Yeah. Um, Two, guess how much an Obulus is. Fuck. Okay, so one that's... Wait, hang on, let me look up a REM pod. Because I want to say a REM pod would be more than an Obvious, even though I'm pretty sure it's way less complicated. A REM pod is mean, $189. Uh, the Obvious, I want to say, is is it $400? $600. Holy shit. Yeah, so we're probably not going to buy that for the podcast of the podcast money, because that's that exceeds the amount of money that's we got. just a thing that randomly it's, puts words on a screen and says them out loud. Yes. It's an app. Like, you could just get an app that Holy does this. shit. Like. Wow. It has a change. It has a red faceplate and a molded rugged enclosure. No more 3D printing. I mean, that's almost worse at the price point because if you have, like, a number of 3D printers or of a printing house that'll just make cases for you. Yes, they're going to be sh way shittier than a molded case, but a molded case has, like, a tooling cost associated with it. So yeah. that means they're selling enough to justify a tooling cost. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is, this is bananas. So we, um... Oh, they're selling... There's a new version of the Spirit Box that I have. It's a pro version. Oh, Sweet. And it looks like it has literally all the same functions. Does it have any added functions? <laughs> Watching Sean just furiously look at his monitor and then back to his spirit box to try and find a difference. It has a sleep, a sweep off timer. It has an alert. But function for the uh um for the the like temperature but that already exists it has a scan step so basically it turns it into a normal uh a normal um what's the word i'm looking for radio 
Uh, and then it looks like it also has, let's see, a sensor, IR. Okay, it's got a REM pod sensor in it, which is just a um, uh, uh, a theremin without the top. Yeah. Um, so, which we know because uh, Clay and I looked into Clay looked into it, and then we talked about it. So, yeah. I actually figured out how to kind of like sort of fuck with the spirit box and like make it say stuff. <laughs> um, but I, I need to do more work on that. That's like a, I want to make a video about ghost communication at some point. And uh, the spirit box is a part of that. <laughs> that, sounds, that sounds actually fucking cool. Because <laughs> it's a tool that shows up frequently on, on all of these shows. Yeah. And to take it apart and assess it and figure out what it is is one thing. But then also to find out a way to exploit it is also a whole different thing that I don't think you, anyone's touched on that is both interesting and you could find when watching these videos, if they're inadvertently or accidentally performing it, performing an exploit. And then you could also see if they're intentionally performing exploits. That's a little harder. Cause well, the, the hard thing. So the thing, this, this, our after episode has run so long this time. Um, but at least it's not before the episode, so no one's going to fucking bitch about that. Uh, <laughs> God, so many people get mad about the, the start of the episode. I'm sorry. It's 10 minutes. It's 8 to, it's eight to 12 well, it was, minutes. It was Just 21 time. The, it was 21 It was 21 time. time, oh. It was. It might have been 22 times, Brandon. <laughs> um, so uh, the, the thing that really frustrates me about ghost videos now, right, um, and like, so I watched Nuke's top ten. I don't know if you've ever watched that. I have. Yeah. Um, it's the dumbest shit. He's 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 so fucking credulous about everything. Because the thing is, every single thing that I've ever seen, like the fact of the matter is, we have horror movies about haunted houses. Yeah. And we have literal haunted houses <laughs> that do these things practically. So, like... Absolutely. It's one of those things where it's like, I'm less impressed by this because people, some people's jobs are just figuring out how to make this happen. Yeah. Convincingly. And, like, they talk about it because they enjoy talking about it. So, like, this isn't really a flex. It's not a flex. And they talk about it, like, with a lot of those things, there's interesting problems to solve for everything especially in like haunted houses and stuff there where it's seasonal and you have a lot of stuff you need to figure out with interesting problems to solve probably rather quickly under a very specific time of year so yeah of course they're gonna <laughs> talk about it because it's fun to talk about and a fun problem to solve mm -hmm. yeah so uh Ugh. ghosts are bullshit yeah that's all also, I don't know who's responsible for. Well, I know ghost. I this see this is a part of this. This is a part of the thing I want to do, where I want to talk about how all this like ghost sensing technology came into existence, and like how an EMF reader ended up being a thing that people everyone uses for some reason. Um, because it makes no fucking sense whatsoever. Yeah. Like like I, I struggle with the EMF reader so much, and part of the reason it's so popular. Is because of ghost hunters, right? It's because of ghost hunters, and it makes 
It's, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's... It's so weird how they always, like, light up near, like, electrical outlets. Ghosts fucking love yeah. plugs. They'll have plugs or room with... with <laughs> just with fucking electronics. Or, like, mm-hmm. where wires would be ratted through walls. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, people have a very fundamentally poor understanding of how energy works. Yeah. Um, anywho. Uh, if you enjoyed the podcast, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. Sorry for this long-ass end of thing, but I'm talking about ghosts. And there's like three things that I talk about on this podcast that get me going. And it's dinosaurs, ghosts, and uh, religion. So Yeah. Also, if you want to just make an EMF reader go crazy for like things that throw out radiated emissions, just run a microwave when someone's hunting for ghosts like across the house. You'll freak them the fuck out. Have a strong magnet in your pocket and walk by. Like, (laughs) depending on how sensitive the EMF reader is. Um, Anywho. Uh, We also have an Etsy store. uh, Etsy slash shop Cryptopedia merch. Got stuff there. If you want it, you got it. Um, That's that. You could find me on Instagram at donkey underscore hands, just randomly scrolling through full fucking nudes now, apparently. I I, I, I want to say I can't believe it. <laughs> website is boyerb.com. Because it was one of those websites where, like, it seemed like that was a thing they wouldn't. Well, that, I'm not complaining about it. I'm just saying it seemed like it, like <laughs> a, 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 a just a. Like a not like Twitter that just has like full whatever. Like yeah. they tried to like reel in. It seemed like they, they tried to 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 have a a better defined scope of content. And now it seems like that yeah. scope's blown out. Um, well, you could, my email is Brandon at CryptoPediaCast.com. My Twitter is at CryptoBrandon and at Heinz Canada. I mean, there was there was like an arms race of getting as close to being nude as possible without actually being nude to like draw people towards your OnlyFans. There was existed. so it went so the the line happened fairly recently because I noticed if you just hit the 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 search glass button without typing anything in, it'd be like thirst trap stuff, and they'd be like you could see like little the bip bips poking out of places or like hey those pants are real tight. And then it turned into like, these are just fully see-through clothes. And mm-hmm. now, very recently, like within the last week or so, it turned into like, well, if the clothes are see-through, why even bother? <laughs> I mean, they've just kind of like they they've gone through it. I mean, I I wonder how how effective that will be at actually like marketing for people. Because, like, I understood the thirst trap because it's a thirst trap. You're trying to get people to pay money to see the rest of it. Yeah. Right? Um, I, I'm not so sure how it's going to be when everyone sees stuff, but we'll see. Well, the thirst trap I could see because, right, you could still attract advertisers without them being concerned about whatever content's on the website. And then the thirst trap mm-hmm. still get the whatever additional subs they get from whatever. But yeah. now that they just allow whatever, um, I could s- kind of see, like, advertisers wanting to pull out. Because of whatever content's just out there. <laughs> Pull out. <laughs> Backshots. And- We're going to make a new app called Backshots. <laughs> isn't, isn't that just what uh, Tumblr used to be before they, they 
removed all the porn from Tumblr. I was never big on Tumblr. I I, I wouldn't know. I wasn't. Either. Tumblr and Pinterest, I never really got onto. I made one post to Tumblr. <laughs> and it's two corgis walking on a uh, on a uh, a treadmill. And that post is oh, still that's up. fun. <laughs> and that is the only post. Anywho, um, I'm on Instagram at Mew2057. My Twitter is at JF Dunham. My website's JohnDunhamGames.com. And my email is John at Our art was done by Tom Hill. You could find him on Instagram at Thomas Michael Hill. His website is GreaterGloryCo.com and TomMikeHill.com. And his email is TomMikeHill at gmail.com. As always, I'm John. I'm Brandon. And things are going to get weird. Weird.